Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. It is my great pleasure to welcome Steve Fitz to the show. Welcome, Steve. How you doing, Jeremy? Steve is the Chief Revenue Officer at Sumo Logic. They are a platform to secure, monitor, and troubleshoot any cloud application. Today, we're going to talk about some of the uh, incredible growth they've been experiencing, and that means our theme is going to be all around building a revenue strategy to sustain growth, and we'll talk about many facets of that, including channel strategy, which has been a topic that so many people have been talking about as of late. Steve, as you think about strategy and execution, what's the challenge you are most focused on right now? There's always the people element. Do you have the right people in the business driving the machine, both on the front line and at the leadership level? And then do you have the right collaboration across the various parts of functions of the business to create a customer experience, but also making sure that we're um, delivering value for what we're selling? I think what we learn in the SaaS world is, you know, you're up for re-election basically every year and you really have to focus on a value creation, value delivery and align that with the buyer on the other side. Have you had to revamp in the face of everyone now working from home? It's given us the opportunity. I did this with my leadership team last week is tell a story about yourself and, you know, what drives you on a day-to-day basis because you have your, you know, your work environment and then you have your life outside of work and you have to combine those two. But when you connect with people in that spectrum, and this actually worked pretty well. We did it last week at our QBRs and had all of the presenters actually go through that. And it, you know, really allowed for some conversation afterwards, like, hey, I didn't know you did that in your spare time. It helps you connect with people at a uh, a more personal level. Sometimes you see a, a salesperson who's jumped every single year for the last five years, right? That sort of thing. Are there things that you look for as red flags or green flags for hiring people? Are they competitive? I ask a couple questions that I, you know, what motivates you? What frustrates you? What really drives somebody, you know, to win, to learn, to grow, develop? And then the frustration piece is kind of like, we all have frustrations on a day-to-day basis. It's how you deal with it. What would people say about you behind your back? And it's interesting how people take a negative spin on that versus a positive spin on it. It's just an interesting question that people probably should pause before they answer versus just assume it's going to be a bad answer. I love asking about those questions because then it gives me the opportunity to turn them around, which is, you know, for you, what are the things that motivate you and what are the things that frustrate you? People watching them grow, you know, watching them develop. I get more satisfaction from watching people, uh, you know, win and take a deal from, you know, zero to 100 and seeing them cross that finish line. That's worth its weight in gold and worth more than any commission check I ever got in my career. It's easy if you have a high performer who's a good actor, you know what to do. It's easy if you have a low performer who's a bad actor. The really challenging ones are those the two corners where you have like a super high performer who is a bad actor or a low performer who is a great culture fit and good actor, what do you do in those corner cases? I think we've all struggled with that as leaders is like that, the the latter one you described, you know, you want to keep that person around, but you got to find the right role for them that's going to put them in a situation that they can thrive because they got the right attitude. You know, we're not looking for mercenaries. The culture kind of forces those individuals out. It just rejects it. How does the sales process change for you as you progress from those orders of magnitude, 10K, 100K, million dollars? What's different as you progress through those? Our model's kind of a land and expand model. And, and we pride ourselves on trying to you know find the initial use case 
whether that the companies are going through digital transformation or they're going to a uh, lift and shift to the public cloud, you know, customer experience is all about, you know, the onboarding, the enablement and the adoption, the better you educate your customers, the more that you can um, help them along that journey to understand the value of the platform, that whole value creation of that from a customer perspective. And, you know, we created a business value office to help not only our bigger customers, but also our emerging customers that, you know, that value document is early in the sales cycle, middle of the sales cycle. It's a constant reminder of here's the value you're delivering. I think it's even more important today because, you know, with this uh, pandemic is, you know, a lot of people in all segments of the market are challenged on spend, challenged on budget. You have to give you know, your economic buyers the right assets to be able to sit in front of the C-suite and justify or rationalize the spend. And this actually helps them. It's a document they can use that actually helps them understand and explain to a CFO or a CEO, I'm going to ask you to spend this money, but here's what they do for us. Is that something that you have either built before or inherited before in your sales leadership roles, the business value office, or was that something that you kind of got an idea from a peer conceived internally? How, how did you come up with that idea? Uh, one of the leaders we hired here actually brought it to the table and we actually outsource it to a company called ecosystems. You know, we have a kind of BVA light and a BVA heavy. The BVA light can be done in a 30, 45 minute conversation. A BVA extensive BVA is a couple hours of interviews with the customer. This is the first time I've heard of outsourcing that. And I think that's fascinating because it's complex to build. Well, it's, it's also resource intensive too. We looked at both ways when we when we did it. We spent a pretty good chunk of money just looking at this and making sure we were doing the right thing. So we, you're taking the time and energy to build something right. And if we had to resource this ourselves, I don't think we would be able to afford it from a uh, cost of sales. Being able to put this from the outside firm, it's what they do and live every day. What they bring to the table is that experience where, you know, they've done this thousands of times, not, you know, tens or hundreds of times. Do you do that both pre-sale and post-sale or is it more of a pre-sale motion? Yeah, it's part of the uh, pre-sales part, but then we do it midterm in a contract. We'd have a BVA that we'd share with um, the executive buyer. We constantly just reinforce the value statement and get validation on that. I would presume at renewal time as well to just reflect on what value you've added and then prospectively what value you plan to add in the next contract period. You have to touch that customer along that journey and that value discussion has got to happen multiple times throughout that cycle. Then the renewal is a natural occurrence. For people who are right now running direct sales forces, inside sales and field sales, and they, they want to develop a channel strategy, how should they go about doing that? What's the starting point? Your channel is your leverage. And if you do it right, just like a customer in many ways, you have to educate them. You have to enable them. They have to be your eyes and ears on the customer. And, you know, what we find with our channels, if done right, is they have a higher renewal rate. They have a higher uh, growth rate and a um, better conversion rate, you know, from a pipeline conversion perspective. Tell me a little bit about like the common mistakes people can make when they launch a channel strategy. I think you have to make it accretive to the sales model and you can't hire one person and expect them to build a channel strategy alone. Your sellers inside, outside have to embrace the value of the channel. What we've done is focusing on not trying to do this a hundred times, but do it with five, do it right, and really dig deep on those first ones. You know, one good deed, one good deal 
just promotes itself internally. Keep your focus narrow and run your playbook there. Don't try and do everything to everybody. I do notice also a lot of companies will find some company that, you know, they have good harmony with that are perhaps complementary products. And then they try to set up this expectation that one company's sales force will sell the other company's stuff on the side and vice versa. And I have never seen that work. I'm curious if you've ever seen that work. And if yes, then what needs to be done in order to get it to work? And I'll just preface by saying the reason I, I don't see it work is because so oftentimes it's a commission and quota problem right? It's, it's like you don't get 100% credit for selling the other person's stuff because the company's only getting a portion of the bookings. I've seen it work. I think you have to educate the sellers that, you know, sometimes you have to take a haircut to get a broader reach from your channel distribution side. But if you look at it right, I got a much bigger distribution network out there across that spectrum that I can leverage. The other one I hear a lot of companies go after is they say, you know, if only I can get in good with the BCGs, Baines, McKinsey's of the world, you know, have them, their centers of excellence recommend us to their customers. Is that a fruitful use of effort or is that a pipe dream? We're doing it. I've done that before in my career. It's a longer tail. It just takes time to build that up. I think it's a big investment for anybody to, you know, go after the very big ISVs. Right. And then the last category of these are value-added resellers, bars, and then IT consultants. Any best practices or lessons learned in working with those folks that you could give advice on? We've opened up our two-tier distribution internationally. So we've partnered with Westcon. I think part of that is, you know, you get exposure to a, a much bigger purview of bars resellers across, you know, a much broader landscape. And, you know, especially when you're doing that internationally, markets are diverse and different, and it's a good way to leverage it. I think from North America, you're better off going regionally. And those are the ones that typically have the, you know, the stronger relationships. How do you go about that? Is that just you've accumulated the relationships over time? I'm just wondering if there's a way to test the relationship before you commit. Our leaders bring those to the table or individual contributors bring those to the table. I think, you know, those partnerships are built on either customer relationship or individual sales to sales relationship over time. The way to leverage that is to really test it out and, and making sure it's the right partner, that they have the, you know, the right cultural match, because I, I think that's important. Do they align in terms of the values that you have in terms of what you're selling, the solution and the value creation that you're um, providing for a customer? And if you're doing that right, you know, there should be some good synergy in, in terms of building those uh, relationships and partnerships. What's your thinking about how sales might evolve over the course of the next 5, 10, 15 years? I think people at the end of the day buy from people. It's relationship driven, you know, it's trust. That's been tougher to do in terms of, um, you know, this remote world that we've been put in, you know, the last uh, six months or so. But I, I still think at the end of the day, this is, um, it's a people business. And I don't see that changing. I think what the AI piece will do is it gives you the signals. It helps you where you focus and where you focus your time and energy versus somewhere where you shouldn't. And you have to use those signals. I mean, I kind of use the analogy of it's almost like a fish finder. I could fish in the ocean or I could put a uh, you know fish finder out there and I know where the fish are right there. This actually tells our sellers, here's somebody that's in the market for your solution. That's actually looking at other competitive solutions out there that you should be targeting. And I think there's a lot of stuff to do there in terms of finding the right buyers that are in the market and making sure that you're hitting them at the right time. I really do think of it as not artificial intelligence, but augmented intelligence, 
that points you in the right direction and, you know, can help you with some of that contextualization so you don't have to search as hard. The human mind, I think, still needs to look at that. And then uh, to your point, people buy from people. Well, we, we certainly brought it full circle because that's also the thing that you most focus on. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today and congrats on your success. If people do want to learn more about Sumo Logic and opportunities there, I know you guys are growing tremendously. What's the best way for them to do that? They can reach out to me directly. So I'm on LinkedIn and I think it's, uh, you know, social media with integrity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for your time today. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.